Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. great when it's working and hopefully we're getting everything fixed up today this is mike miller your host for talking money doing a live remote uh, we'll call it the ronald blue trust studio here so we're glad to have you join us today on this memorial day weekend it's um, not a good thing necessarily to talk about what i'm going to talk about today but it's a necessary uh, conversation that you need to have because there are too many people out there as we all know that are just bad people so but when we when we see movies and tv shows and they show the bad guys they always are obviously the bad guys so we we think oh sure i mean i'll be able to spot a scam artist a mile away and i i will never get uh, taken by one of those uh, people that that do those bad things but it happens to a lot of people it happens to a lot of smart people so it it pays all of us to be Especially suspicious, I think, when it's uh, coming to our money and somebody's trying to get our money. I've got several stories to share with you today that I think will definitely show by example and by actual experiences that people have had how those scam artists can be pretty smart and and try to, matter of fact, I've heard how many people, I've said it, I'm sure you said it before, if those same people would spend as much time using their energy and smarts to do something legitimate, they'd probably make more money than they would without the risk of going to jail than they do doing the scam artist things. But it just that's just the way it seems to work. So 877-235-9405 is the phone number if you want to give me a call. And then Paul will give me the sign that somebody has called in so we can get you on the air. If you especially have an experience that you've had with a scam that you either were susceptible to, taken advantage of, or perhaps you you uh, determined and figured out it was a scam before they ever got your money, and it'd be nice if you could tell the rest of us about that so the rest of the listeners would not be held and, and maybe taken advantage of by that same person. So if you're listening by a podcast, of course you can't call live. We're live at 10 o'clock every Saturday morning on WGTK 94.5, The Answer. You can get the the answer, the 94.5 answer uh, app, and of course listen to it live if you want to, and call in with a question. Or if you want to send me a question in advance, you can go to Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com, Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com, and you can just email me a question to that to see to listen to previous programs that were recorded. If you want to get information about a particular topic. Just go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and you'll see a lot of different radio shows recorded there that you can get as podcasts and listen whenever you like. 
and and as slow as you want, as often as you like, and hopefully you'll gain a lot of information from there. So we're talking about how people get with scams today, and we want to make sure that you are armed with the right information to help keep you from being taken advantage of for that. So some some time ago, uh, a few years ago, I guess, I, I learned of a situation where this gentleman had um, uh, been found out that someone had purchased Super Bowl tickets on his American Express card. And it was $50,000, I think, something about that. So in addition to stealing his uh, credit card number, the thief had somehow, what they call, ported his AT&T home phone number to a prepaid Sprint cell phone. So when uh, Amex called to confirm the purchase, the thief answered the phone and confirmed the purchase, stating that he was taking his family to the Super Bowl. Sounded very reasonable. So, but the the victim discovered that theft because he logged into his Amex account online, which we encourage people to do a lot, to, to look at it frequently to see if you see any unusual um, transactions there that you can catch ahead of time. His son had a suspicion that the phone number had been compromised, and he suggested that they call the number to see if the thief would answer. That's a pretty good idea. Let's see if we can get the thief to talk to us. So the first time, the thief didn't answer. The second time, the son blocked his number so the thief wouldn't, that number wouldn't show up on his caller ID. And the thief did answer. He actually answered the phone. So the son stated that he was with uh, StubHub and he wanted to confirm the purchase. The thief confirmed the purchase and said he was taking his family to the Super Bowl. When the son asked for the thief's name, the thief replied and gave the name, the right first name, but a, a wrong last name. He's not sure why the, the thief used a different last name. Seems like that would be suspicious. So immediately, of course, they contacted American Express uh, regarding that theft. Uh, Amex stopped the payment, canceled the card, and they said, interesting, that Amex told them that this is a federal offense, and then they contacted the authorities, and Amex told them that this is a very common identity theft tactic right now with thieves. They port the phone number so they can answer when the credit card company calls to confirm the purchase. So he called AT and determined how someone could port or steal another person's phone number. So he was told that the thief needs to know the phone number along with the account number, which seems hard to be able to get both of those items, but apparently he did. So MX told, uh, so in this case, the thief somehow did get his account number with AT&T. So once they got that, they went online through Sprint's website and requested his phone number be ported from AT&T to the prepaid Sprint phone. So amazing how some of that stuff happens. And I don't know how you would find that out unless you did check with your credit card company and you were looking online fairly regularly to see what kind of transactions have been going on to know whether or not it was something that you did not authorize and somebody is taking advantage of your your goodness and your credit and and trying to to get it. In this case, it wouldn't have it, it wouldn't probably have ruined his credit, but Really, $50,000, almost $50,000? That's a lot of money to all of a sudden be paying. It's, I guess it's nice to have a credit line that high <laughs> so he could actually do that. Um, but it's still something that you just have to be wary of and make sure that uh, you do the things necessary to do to help um, prevent that from, from happening. So had um, a, a radio caller a few years back also that uh, had called in, actually called to a friend. Uh, the friend was here in town, and the, the their friend was in, I think, Colorado, someplace out west. 
And they called and mentioned that their mother had passed away. And the father was living by himself a couple hours away. The daughter would go to visit this particular, and his dad, her dad, a couple of uh, times uh, a month and try to catch up on uh, looking at bills and just doing other things that the, the father needed. And unfortunately, she would see checks written to a political organization when the situation that they were raising money for really was not even a legitimate situation, and the but it scared the the father into thinking he needed to send this money in to help fund this organization. So, and he was not sending small amounts; he was sending like five hundred dollars at a time, and and because of his dementia. He would he would send the money in, and then a few weeks later he'd get another. You know how we get these things. We get these these uh, solicitations all the time from the same organization. They would send him another one a few weeks later. He would forget that he had sent the check and send another check for the same amount of money. So when she came, she would call the organizations and get them to stop. But then when they said, well, of course, it takes six to eight weeks to get them to stop, so she would leave. They would send another solicitation. He would send some more money. So they would assume, well, he must not want to stop because he sent us more money. And, and the circle just kept on kept on going. So uh, we, need to, we need to look at situations like that and say, okay, how can we prevent that? And this is where having more than one person, at least having one person that you trust that is going to be able to look over your shoulder for things that you're doing, and and put some safeguards in place to help prevent things like that from happening. 877-235-9405 is the phone number, or send an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com if you happen to be listening to this to, on a podcast. And we'll be back with more of Talking Money in just a minute. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage and conflict they want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions live generously and leave a lasting legacy as a trust company ronald blue trust advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. We're talking about scams and trying to help keep you from being susceptible to those scams. We want to make sure that you have the information, at least the awareness, to help make sure. And and, and maybe just being suspicious all the time would be a good idea. We hate to be that way, especially Southerners. We hate to be distrusting of people, and that can sometimes lead us to 
a, a problem because we, we just think, well, no one would certainly, especially someone that goes to my church, they wouldn't be trying to dupe me or trying to make me do something that would not be the best for me, right? Well, we know the answer to that question. It's not there. I had a situation I heard about some uh, there again a, a few years back where a, a lady had her daughter worked at the local bank. Matter of fact, she was the branch manager at a bank. And this I've heard this story several times, uh, so I know it happens fairly regularly. Talking about a um, a lady whose daughter was the branch manager at a bank, and she got a letter from the bank that said she was needed to renew the line of credit. And the line of credit, she said, well, I didn't even use the line of credit. Uh, I didn't have a line of credit. But it showed nearly $100,000 of debt owed on her account from this home equity line of credit. Well, she checked into it and found out that her daughter, who was the uh, manager employee at the bank, had actually been taking money from that account without her mom's knowledge, had the notices sent to a post office box so she never saw the notices that showed that she owed this money and that that a balance kept on increasing well the problem with this is one of the problems other than the fact that yeah she has a daughter who's been stealing from her is what does she do so if she files a complaint official complaint with the bank then the bank of course would go and fire her and she wouldn't be there anymore. And then they would, of course, uh, tell the authorities. And she'd be put in prison for doing what she did. Well, she didn't want her daughter to go to prison. She still loved her daughter and, and thought, no, I, I don't want that to happen. I want her to stay with her family. And so she didn't do anything. She ended up just saying, well, I'm just I'm going to have to just eat this. Uh, of course, I don't know how the relationship with she and her daughter was after that. I would think it would be fairly strained when you just stole $100,000 from your your mom but um, I don't know so this is this is one of those things that it'd be even harder to find out how would you even find out about that the but the one back to the to the other situations that we've talked about you need to go look in your account so you would look regularly in your bank account to see if there's any suspicious activity on your checking account and also on the loans that you might have so you can generally find all those things online and you can find out what kind of activity has been going on with the loans and with the regular checking account, money market accounts, savings accounts, what kind of transactions have been going on so that you can determine if something suspicious is going on and stop it before it gets uh, bad. There's a lot of safeguards in place that where you can get and oftentimes get your money back because the institution wasn't supposed to give out the money anyway. But then if it's something like this situation with the lady's daughter was stealing from her, then, then what do you do? Well, finding out about that when she'd only borrowed 20000 maybe would have been a better uh, opportunity to stop it before it got to 100000 You know, I don't know, but these stories happen uh, far too frequently for, for any of us to want to have uh, to know about. And we just don't, of course, want those to happen to us or any of our loved ones, of course. So there was an article in the Wall Street Journal recently. The title of the article was Beware the Gift Card Scam, How One Family Learned the Hard Way. So this article was written just last November, middle of November last year. Julie Jargon uh, wrote the article for the uh, Wall Street Journal. And it starts off by saying that just as Tony Kappen was about to leave her house to play bingo at the senior center, 
Her phone rang. It was a young man claiming to be her grandson, asking her to buy a Walmart gift cards to bail him out of jail. The young man, she said, sounded just like her grandson. He said he had been driving around with friends and they had been arrested. He handed the phone over to a man he said was the arresting officer. The younger man pleaded with Mrs. Kappa not to tell his mother after she hung up. She dialed her grandson's cell phone. Smart thing, you know, dial the cell phone, see if he answers, but he didn't answer. She, she said this convinced her, didn't make her suspicious, but it convinced her that he was in fact in jail because he didn't have access to his cell phone. So she went straight to her bank and withdrew $4,000 in cash and then on to her local Walmart. So um, it says scammers are calling and emailing people, often seniors, under a variety of pretenses, grandchildren, tech support, tax collectors, etc., that culminate in requests to purchase retail gift cards. So why gift cards? Because these allow con artists, she says, to make purchases immediately and anonymously. They don't even need the physical card itself, which is kind of scary. Just the numeric code or barcode associated with the card. So also, unlike prepaid credit cards, the transactions are difficult to reverse. There are few, if any, reasons why you would use a gift card to pay a legitimate business or government entity. But scammers can be very crafty in their pitches. So that's the warning. That that's just doesn't, You just don't pay things with a Walmart gift card. Even businesses are targeted. Peter Santis, Vice President of Global Sales at Keeper Security, Inc., a password security software firm, received an email from his boss in May asking him to buy $3,000 worth of Amazon gift cards for clients. Mr. Santis, who was at lunch and saw the message on his phone, saw only his boss's name, not the domain of the email, and it seemed like a legitimate request. But he remembered his firm's security training session and decided to call his boss. Turns out, you guessed that the email was a fake. So it can happen to anyone, even someone at a cybersecurity firm. So although the Federal Trade Commission, according to the Federal Trade Commission, 33% of people who reported losing money to a scam through the third quarter of this year, in 2019, said they used a gift card or reloadable card as payment, up, up from just 7% in 2015. So later on, back to Mrs. Kappen, she says she was so nervous at Walmart that she bought prepaid MasterCards instead of Walmart gift cards. When the young man called her back to make sure she'd gotten the cards, he told her they were the wrong kind. He needed gift cards with codes on the back. She says, quote, God had given me a chance to fix this and I was still stupid, says Mrs. Kappen. She's 78 years old. She went back to her bank and withdrew another $4,000, then went to Walmart again and bought four $1,000 Walmart gift cards whose num who code number she provided to the young man who called her while she was driving. The man called her again later and said the police also had found drugs in the glove box of the car and that he owed yet another $4,000. And so she made a third trip to her bank and Walmart. So it's like, okay, I found, if I found a live one here. I'm going to ask for even more money. So Ms. West and Ms. Kappen filed a police report with the local police department, which told them they couldn't do anything because it was considered an Internet crime. Ms. Prince said she called the FBI and filed a complaint online with the Bureau's Internet Crime Complaint Center, but said she never heard back. An FBI spokesman said she can't confirm or deny the existence of an investigation. 
Ms. Kappen's children disconnected her landline and got her a cell phone number under one of their names so she no longer answers calls from unknown numbers. I'm still sick about it, she says. If only I had five left five minutes sooner and gone to bingo. So bingo would have been a whole lot better for her than pulling out $8,000, whatever it was, for the money that she bought for these gift cards. So how to outsmart scammers. Hang up on fishy calls, it says. Someone calls you requesting payment of the phone, just hang up. Verify the caller. Don't fall for the don't tell my mom bit. Confirm the email. Make sure it's coming from the person's actual email address. And best to call the person and don't just take a voicemail or they just didn't answer, so it must be wrong. I want to actually speak to that person. And then report the scam, which we found that didn't really help her much, but she did it. FBI advises people who have been victims of elder fraud to contact their local FBI field office. People can also file a complaint with the Internet Crime Complaint Center and with the FBI. TC. So interesting, uh, some things that you can do to help try to prevent that because you don't know the caller, just uh, just turn it off. Don't hang, don't uh, don't answer the phone. But of course, if you have any questions about uh, subjects we've talked about today or any of the topics we talk about in the program any week, you can always reach out to your financial advisor, your CPA or attorney, whoever you typically talk to for advice. Uh, we believe, however, it's very important to work with an advisor who shares your values and biblical worldview. So for more information, just call me, Mike Miller, 800-588-PLAN. That's 800-588-7526. Or send an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I'm pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance and as a fiduciary work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your state attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. 7526. Now back to Talking Money. You're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. So glad to have you with us today, especially if you are a new listener to Talking Money, either the radio show or the podcast. We welcome those listeners uh, to us from the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And just glad to have you with us. If you've got a question that you want to call in live, you can call 877-235-9405 during the live program between 10 and 11 every Saturday morning, or virtually every Saturday morning. Got a few Saturdays that I take off, but virtually here live every Saturday morning. Or if you are listening to this as a podcast and have a question you're just dying to ask, so you can send that to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. If you want to listen to the former shows that we've got, some other information that you might want to learn about, go to Talking Money Radio, talkingmoneyradio.com. 
So we have a lot of uh, shows that we've done that have been recorded and posted there by different topics, so chronologically and by different topics. So I urge you to take advantage of that. Today we're talking about scams. We don't want you to be scammed. We, this is not a scam. But, of course, how do you believe somebody that's scamming you that says, no, this is not a scam? So nobody, uh, nobody that's scamming you is going to say, I'm scamming you. And you can believe me. Trust me. I'm honest. As the more somebody talks about that, the more suspicious you ought to be. So be careful with that. So back in 2018, uh, Mitch Anthony wrote an article. He had written one that talked about how he had been conned. And then the follow-up article, several people responded to, to his article talking about some of their experiences that they had when they were conned. So I'd love to hear yours. I, we're not trying to get you to fess up on something that you were conned about. But maybe you had one that you were almost conned about or somebody tried to con you and you were able to foil that and not be taken advantage of. So that's 877-235-9405 or send your story to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. So one of the respondents said that he didn't lose personally a lot of money, but his parents did $900,000. So the year was 1991. So it goes back a little bit, but you know the bad guys never change. So when it hit the fan, dad and mom were only 57, 58 at the time. Life savings, working two jobs most of his life, and mom rearing four children, managing the expenses, no debt, real savers. You know the story. Dad started confiding in his banker's son at the time, me. That was not me, but the writer. When I was age 34, interest rates of the bank were 8%. Now, wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) But he was getting 15% from, quote, unquote, Melvin. I kept asking him why Melvin had to pay so much more than the bank. Couldn't he get all the funds he wanted at 10%, 11%? Dad's reply was that Melvin could afford to do it. I did get Dad's attention along the way and, with a joint meeting with Melvin, confronted him with several requests that caused him to be very defensive. We walked out of the, his office and Dad said, Son, what do you think? I said, Dad, it's all over. He's a crook. We went straight to the district attorney's office. Anyway, all funds were gone. Mom died first at age 72. Dad died at age 77. Both of them too young and each suffered physical health and emotional consequences from this event. If there's any irony in this saga, the smooth-talking Melvin was eventually locked up and after one year in prison, he died in prison from tongue throat cancer. Well, I'm age 61 now and those memories lessons are very vivid. But like I said, you know the story all too well. Uh, I'll certainly reach out to lawmakers in North Carolina, he says. So that was written by John Collins. And this was back in uh, February 2018 when this article was written in Investment and Financial uh, Advisor magazine. So that was that was one story. There was another story. That, uh, um, well, anyway, he, he finishes the article. Uh, let me read this other one. He said, um, so when I began a career in financial services, this other writer says, I worked for an independent insurance agency that was out to save the world from the evils of whole life insurance. We used company X for our solution provider and replaced people's expensive and underinsured whole life policies with term and then helped them invest the rest. This agency gave me some of the best training I've ever received in client-centered sales. About 10 years ago, I got a call from one of the founders of that agency that his former co-founder was going to prison for embezzling about $9 million from his clients also offering them promissory notes for an investment in his own firm. His clients, get a load of this, his clients were lifelong friends. And he was in his 60s at the time. He eventually served seven years in prison, but that didn't help the people he swindled. 
some non-English-speaking Lithuanians from his Chicago neighborhood. He was Lithuanian and played on this to gain the confidence and their money. And you know what? I thought he was one of the most honest people I had ever met. I worked with him for seven years, and he was an amazing guy. But I have no sympathy for him. How someone can swindle a 40-plus year friend, numerous elderly couples who gave him everything, etc., etc., I will never understand. He starts the, uh, Mitch Anthony finishes the article, Any of us could get fooled, and some of us have. I would be careful about saying it could never happen to me. Best to be skeptical with any investment proposition and be sure the person offering the idea and the idea itself both demonstrate high principles. If a lot of learned, learned, competent, and noteworthy citizens have been cleaned out, what hope does this leave for those unlearned and overlooked? We must do what we can to protect them. So that's a couple examples again of real life examples of people who have fallen prey to, to scam artists or uh, investment people. You know, we've all heard and said how many times, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. But then when we hear something and it's coming from someone that we've known for 40 years, they've been friends for 40 years. Why would they be telling me something that would not be good for me? And then we find out, wow, yes, they are telling me something that's not good for me. So then uh, back just a few months ago, I got an email. I get regular emails from the Social Security Administration. And the title of this email, so it perked my interest, and so I, I printed it and held it for such a day as this when we can talk about scams all at once. So Social Security Administration, the article is entitled, Protect Yourself from Social Security Scams. We could, I could have found the same type of article about Internal Revenue Service scams. It happens all the time where people say they're calling from Social Security office or they're calling from the Internal Revenue Service. Uh, sometimes they're calling, they're, like this other lady was, they're, they're, they think their grandson's calling from prison, and, and that's really not the case. So he says, uh, this article says, scammers are pretending to be government, government employees. Scammers will try to scare you and trick you into giving them your personal information and money. They may threaten you or your family and may demand immediate payment to avoid arrest or other legal action. I've had some, I've had some uh, calls like that myself where somebody calls and says, whoa, what's going on? I, uh, I, I, I'm going to put you guys in prison. So some of the times I will play along with that. I have fun doing that sometimes when I answer those calls. And I, I act scared. I act like, oh, what, what's going on here? And I try to act and think that they're, 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 they're winning here. So uh, and that's, not the, that's not the case. What they say, don't, don't be fooled. If you receive a suspicious call, hang up, number one. Do not give them money. Or personal information. I think that's one of the key things for any of these things is don't give personal information because that's what they they can't get anything from just your phone number and just talking to you and having your name. That's readily available information. But they can get if they if they get passwords, if they get account numbers and things like that. You just don't want to give them things like that. And I've gotten a few emails like that that. Uh, looked looked uh, like they were scams. I thought, well, this can't be coming from Capital One or some other uh, organization uh, firm that I may use. So I would contact the company and, and say, hey, is this legitimate? 
And so sometimes I find out, yes, that's legitimate. Most times you find out, no, we are not sending that out. Uh, this is a regular scam that we have people getting all the time. They're calling us about this. So it's something that you want to be careful about. So Social Security Administration says, hang up. Do not give them personal information. Report the scam at oig.ssa.gov. OIG.SSA for Social Security, SSA.gov. So it says, what to look out for, they say. The call or email says there's a problem with your Social Security number or account. Or someone asks you to pay a fine or a debt with retail gift cards, like the other one we talked about, wire transfers, prepaid debit cards, Internet currency, uh, like Bitcoin, or by mailing cash. Scammers pretend they're from Social Security or another government agency. Caller ID or documents sent by email may look official, but they are not. And usually if you look at the, the actual email, and you, you may see part of the email that looks like the company, but then you'll see a whole bunch of other things in there that don't look right. That means it's not coming from that company. And then callers may threaten you with an arrest or other legal action. So here Social Security says may call you in some situations, which I, I think is rare, but they will never, they say, threaten you. They will never suspend your Social Security number. They will never demand immediate payment from you. They will never require payment by cash, gift card, prepaid debit card, or wire transfer. And they never ask for gift card numbers over the phone or to wire or mail cash. So if you receive, they say, if you receive a questionable call, hang up, and report it there again, oig.ssa.gov, G-O-V. Don't be embarrassed, they say, to report a financial loss or sharing information. Learn more at oig.ssa.gov forward slash scam. And, of course, share this information with others, it says, which is what I just did. So I just shared all this information to you. But you can go to, I'll go to OIGSSA, oig.ssa.gov forward slash scam if you want even more information about that. 877-235-9405 is the direct line to the studio. 800-588-7526 is the number if you want to get more information about working with an advisor that shares your values and biblical worldview. We'll be back with more of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. You're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. We're talking about scams today and trying to make sure that you don't 
get uh, taken by any of those smart people out there that are trying to take your money when they shouldn't be trying to take your money. We don't want them doing that. So there was an article back in January, and Bob Carlson wrote in his retirement watch. I've uh, been reading Bob Carlson for, for decades now, and he generally has some pretty good basic information that um, that I think we need to know about. So one of the articles he wrote this this January was entitled Unveiling the One Best Way to Avoid Financial Scams, Fraud, and Abuse. So, of course, that caught my interest. So what's the one best way to do that? So he says, uh, he says dramatically, reduce dramatically the probability that you'll be taken advantage of either strangers or people you're close to. See, the conventional wisdom, he says, is that older people, and I agree with this, older people are more likely to be victims of financial scams, fraud, and abuse because of the reduced cognitive functions. Of course, he's quick to remind us that that doesn't mean, that's not the same as developing dementia or Alzheimer's and things like that. It's just the brain isn't as nimble as it used to be as we, as we age. He says a little later, to be less vulnerable, the conventional wisdom says, we must find ways to compensate for reduced cognitive function. But there are problems with this line of thought, he says. Different people age at different rates. Some people in their, uh, in their 60s and 70s are just as sharp as they were in their 30s. Others have reduced cognitive function at younger ages. Also, fraud victims are in all age groups. Now, older people are targeted more, perhaps because on average they have more money than younger people. I think that's probably a bigger reason. But younger adults functioning at high levels aren't immune from falling prey to scam artists. There's some research that concludes as people age, they become more open and trusting. Some researchers believe that that's because the brain changes in some people as they age. Other research shows that in the post-middle age years, people are more likely to be content and optimistic. And that could make them less likely to be suspicious of others. Yet newer research, later in the article, newer research found that older people with no signs of changes in their brain or reduced cognitive functions still were victims of financial fraud and abuse. All right, so let's, let's hear what this one best way is. The victims tend to have some level of social isolation and even loneliness. In particular, they don't discuss their finances or financial decisions with people who are close to them and trusted. Or, they have these discussions with only one person and no one else, and that one person takes advantage of them. In fact, some research says that over half of fraud and abuse losses were caused by a relative or friend. And I've heard that before, so I'll repeat that. Some research says that over half, I think maybe even more than half, half of fraud, way over half of fraud and abuse losses were caused by a relative or friend or somebody that has gained your confidence. I've heard of caregivers that gain your confidence. And because of that, they're able to start, you, know, you give them more, more flexibility to buy things for you using your credit card, your debit card and things like that. And then they start taking, skimming off some of that money for themselves, and you are no wiser for it. It's important to have more than one person who can discuss important financial decisions with you, he says. Isol avoid isolation. Now, this, I think, was very interesting. So his main reason, the main way to reduce dramatically the probability that you'll be taken advantage of, he says, is avoiding isolation. So he's discussed this before, but he says a book that was written, uh, Combating Financial Fraud, written by NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Fran Tarkenden, and most of you listening to me remember Fran Tarkenden. 
form a form a team. He says in his book, form a team of at least four trusted people. Now, some of you may have a hard time finding four trusted people. Let's say at least two trusted people. Tarkenton says they should know about your finances and being consulted before all significant decisions. Above all, avoid making decisions in isolation. And at the end of the article, he says, Isolation and loneliness are widespread among older people. It is important that you maintain and build social contacts through the years, and you should have people with whom you can discuss money matters. So when I talked earlier in the in the program about the lady who whose father whose mother died and the father was living by himself and he was writing checks and then kept writing checks even though he'd already written checks to this political organization that he kept getting solicitations from so one of the suggestions was to put both names on the checkbook so don't let him just be able to write a check by himself it has to have two signatures on it. If it has to have two signatures on it, then you've got some backup there to say, okay, I've got to double-check this. Now, the hard part about all of this is when, you, when we're getting older and, and your kids are even suggesting that they be more involved in the finances, it can be a very touchy topic because oftentimes as, as people get older, they start thinking, well, I can handle this stuff myself. I'm still just as fine. I've been doing this for 60 years. Surely I can do this again for another year or whatever. I'm not having any problems. It's easy to, to deny those things. But you need to listen to people that are, are close to you, especially uh, children, but also being aware that, okay, let's make sure those children aren't saying those things because they are planning on taking advantage of you. That's why more than one child can help. But I've, I've been involved in a number of family situations over the years where there just weren't family members or children that, especially two, that the parents really had enough confidence in to share that kind of information with them. So sometimes it has to be a, a trusted friend or somebody else. Uh, and even a financial advisor can help with that to a certain extent to say, okay, Let's run these things by, I've used myself as a scapegoat oftentimes. I said, look, if one of your kids asks you for money, tell them I have to ask my financial advisor about it first, especially if it's a larger sum of money. And so they come to me and I, tell, I hear the story and I say, nope, you don't want to do this. And so then they can go back to the child or whomever is asking, even if a friend asks for that money and say, well, my financial advisor said I shouldn't do that. Uh, he just gave me these reasons, and he said, I, I just can't afford to do it, or whatever reason that we give you. But we're the bad guy now, not you. So you can maintain your friendship, but still not give the money your money away that you may never see again. Well, as we all know, this is uh, Memorial Day weekend. It kind of uh, slipped up on me, snuck up on me, and uh, didn't uh, realize it was coming up so fast. But I've, I've played clips from Ronald Reagan before, and I think there's a, a great tribute here, a great thank you that Ronald Reagan gave in a speech he made, of course, a number of years ago, but it would have been in the 80s. It's about two minutes long, but I, I think you'll enjoy listening to this, so uh, I'm going to ask Paul to go ahead and play this about two-minute clip, Ronald Reagan Memorial Day. Thank you. Sometime back, I received, in the name of our country, the bodies of four Marines who had died while on active duty. I said then that there is a special sadness that accompanies the death of a serviceman, for we're never quite good enough to them. Not really 
we can't be. Because what they gave us is beyond our powers to repay. And so when a serviceman dies, it's a tear in the fabric, a break in the hole, and all we can do is remember. It is, in a way, an odd thing to honor those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. The imagination plays a trick. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise. We see them as something like the founding fathers, grave and gray-haired. But most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them and what they did and why they had to be brave for us. Okay, so that was uh, always a nice tribute. I think uh, Ronald Reagan had speeches that are better than anybody. Uh, he just there's such well thought out uh, comments. So I always appreciate that and and want to uh, shout out a big thank you for those who have served this country and the families of those who had service people who have passed away. So we certainly appreciate all that's been done to to maintain the freedom that we have in this country. We all need to do what we can to maintain that freedom. And of course, we're talking financial planning, so if you have any questions or would like to learn more about any of the topics I cover on, on Talking Money, certainly uh, you can always call me, 800-588-7526, or send an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Have a great Memorial Day weekend.